Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sunny D. I want to thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sunny D. Again, thank you so much uh, for the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. Today, let's talk about some hockey issues, uh, just some hockey talk, really, in uh, general. But anyway, uh, nonetheless, the big news uh, over the last, I guess, week or so has been the uh, firing of Mike Babcock and kind of the subsequent avalanche of news that have followed that. And uh, pardon the pun there. I mean, there is a team in the avalanche, but they're not hiring Babcock anytime soon. They have a good enough coach there, and they're doing quite well. So nonetheless... Um, that's that, but, uh, Mike Babcock, the Leafs finally, uh, pulled the trigger and, uh, relieved Mike Babcock of his coaching duties, uh, lest we forget he is, I believe, still getting paid his full salary by the Toronto Maple Leafs off 40 million of it or whatever it is, so, um, the guy's well taken care of, um, but I had, I had said this on the podcast last season that he's one of those coaches that could find himself, that is going to find himself in a lot, in a probably the most pressure-filled seat going into this season. It was another disappointing playoff loss for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs last year, especially after having blown a 3-2 series lead with a chance to eliminate the Boston Bruins. I mean, everything could have gone different. It was funny because that was one of the few picks, I believe, last year that I got right in the first round. I think I think that one in Colorado um, beating Calgary were the only two I got right, and I might have picked Toronto. Who knows, actually. I think I might actually, in hindsight, I think I might have picked Toronto. I should. What I need to do is start actually drawing out or printing out a playoff bracket and filling it out uh, when I read out my uh, projected brackets uh, here on the podcast to make my predictions. But nonetheless, Babcock was gone. I'd said one of the things that bought him, and I still kind of stand by this, that might have bought him that start to the season was none other than the idea of the fact that Joel Quenville was hired by the Florida Panthers. Coach Q was taken over, and Coach Q was had this kind of cloud, you know, that was hanging over a few teams, as I said. The big three that I thought, you know, if, if possible, was going to look at getting a guy like Joel Quenville, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Winnipeg. Uh, it appears that Mike Babcock was the first domino to fall in uh, Toronto, um, and I don't know, I'm looking up, or I'm, I'm trying to get to here, I've, I've been getting distracted, but look up the standings here to kind of see what's going on here with some of these other teams, but nonetheless, Toronto is off to a horrible start. Um, I think next to Detroit, they've played the most games yet in their division, and I mean, Detroit, nobody had expectations that Detroit was going to be good this year. Um, Toronto, paying the amount of money they are to their big three, the sacrifices, that whole mantra of, Oh, we believe that the team we've constructed can be a contender, is a contender, is a winner. And that could very well be true. And I've long said that sometimes it's just that people expire in certain positions. I think Babcock had expired in that position for the Leafs. Uh, The Leafs are fifth right now in the Atlantic. uh, And the problem is the teams ahead of them all have games in hand, including the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are 7-3 in their last 10, winning three straight. Um, with a plus 12 goal differential. Uh, the only team with a better goal differential right now in that division is uh, Boston, who is um, running away with that division. Uh, but yes, 
Uh, Tampa Bay's turned it around. They got off to a slow start. But, I mean, I don't know if too many players, people were worried that Tampa Bay wasn't going to get their shit together. And uh, they're kind of, things are falling back in uh, into place for them a little bit here. So, Tampa Bay, I, I mean, it would be hard to imagine a situation where they don't make the playoffs. But, I mean, again... In that Atlantic vision now, you do have a Florida Panther team that did make the necessary upgrades and coaching change to take the team to the next level. So that Atlantic division has gotten that much tougher, especially for a Toronto team that can't get their shit together. Um, in the Met, I mean, there's no real interesting story other than, I mean, Pittsburgh's staying alive uh, despite this rotation of Malkins out, Crosby's in, Crosby's out, Malkins in. Um, so I think I got that right. Malkin's out, Crosby's in, Crosby's out, Malkin's in. Um, but nonetheless, um, man, does that is that a mouthful? But anyway, uh, in the central, uh, where we have my beloved Winnipeg Jets, um, they're hanging around. And that was an interesting thing for me because I had kind of felt the Jets had taken a couple of steps back over the last season and a half. But nonetheless, you know what? Credit to Paul Maurice. And I guess it's, it's that experience, right? There is something for experience. I know it in my life from sports, from poker, academia, everything. Like there is something to be said for experience and learning from that experience and being a smart person. And Paul Maurice is showing his value in that, yeah, the Jets do have some injury issues. Yeah, they have some personnel issues with the whole Buffalo saga, but they're still staying relevant and they still are occupying a playoff spot right now in that central division. Uh, St. Louis has a relatively relatively strongly in that division. I mean, but then again, Dallas has just won seven straight games. They were supposed to be good, and now they're they're looking good. 9-0-1 in their last 10. Uh, the next best record, actually, in that division is the Jets at 7-2-1. and um, The Dallas Stars have actually had the best last 10 games uh, in the league. Uh, the only one who's had better is San Jose, and I predicted San Jose is going to find uh, their group. Um, what's a little surprising is the slumping uh, Vegas Golden Knights for me, sitting fifth in the Pacific Division, going 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10. Uh, that's a bit of an issue for me. Uh, but again, and, and I mean, the weird thing too is like, I mean, Anaheim, I think, got a shutout last night. So it's, it's a weird kind of thing. And where do I see some of these teams fitting? I mean, that Pacific Division now is becoming an interesting one. You had Calgary that won it last year. They're kind of towards the bottom. But it's, it's kind of a close race. There's a bit of a convergence there between the three and seven spots, all within three points of each other, from Anaheim in the seventh spot in that division to Vancouver in the third. Uh, the Central, I mean, it's a little more spread out. It's it's. I mean, for that third and fourth spot, it's a tight race between Winnipeg and Colorado. Colorado does own the game in hand. Uh, the big surprise to me there is Nashville um, slumping a little bit. Uh, they, I mean, they could be in danger of missing the playoffs. And again, maybe it's again that rebuild. A lot. Of, there was a lot of talk in the off season about David Poyle and some of the moves he's made, and maybe they, you know, maybe he's lost his touch. Who knows? Um, that was the thing in LA. They thought so with Dean Lombardi. And I mean, since Dean Lombardi got kind of relieved of his duties, LA hasn't looked, I mean, they got into the playoffs that year uh, and lost to, um, Vegas. And the craziest thing about that one was, uh, that was a, a uh, series in which both goalies put up con Smythe numbers. So, I mean, LA is still one of those teams that they get in, Jonathan Quick gets hot, anything can happen. But as I've, as I've said, and I've had this conversation uh, with, with many people, in hockey, in a sport where more than 50% of the teams get into the playoffs, it's your job to be in that top 50%. So this idea, and I think 
oftentimes organizations and maybe teams are using this as this crutch. And, and yes, there are some times when, yeah, it is an achievement for a team to get in the playoffs. They weren't expected to, but they did it, you know, whatever it might be. But getting into the first round of the playoffs is kind of what you battle for all season. You're supposed to get in. That's your job, is to get yourself into a position to fight for Lord Stanley's Cup. So I don't have much sympathy for these contending teams um, that aren't getting into the playoffs. That's a them problem, or these teams that are getting into the playoffs and losing in the first round. We're trying to make achievements out of non-achievements, and to me, that's creating more problems, and it's creating this kind of mediocreness and mediocre acceptability. And I think, quite honestly, some teams need to look in the mirror. Toronto. I mean, I don't want them to get into this habit of, of, of using and making crutches for themselves, where this could be yet another example of that this season, where they decide, oh, well, you know, we got off to that rough start under Mike Babcock, and, you know, rah-rah, Sheldon Keefe got us into the playoffs, and, you know, thank, oh my god, we're so thankful for that, and, you know, this season was still a success. No, it's not. Three straight First round losses, especially against a team that it is a it was a mental and coaching hurdle. There's no excuses anymore. At a certain point, do you want to be defined by your excuses or by your successes? So at least Toronto's made that move now. They've said, okay, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Let's go. We got three quarters of the fucking season left. Let's get our shit together. Three quarters is still a B plus. Like you still got the B plus rest of the season to go. Problem is, again, Toronto had a lot of those back-to-backs, right? And they weren't winning them. So what happens there is those games that you were playing earlier that other teams had in hand on you, those are the games you need to win or at least be doing well in and getting points. Uh, and I think that was the big concern. But nonetheless, under Sheldon Keefe, uh, and I mean, they had an embarrassing loss to Vegas, and that's why Babcock, I mean... When people look at timing of a firing of a coach, I mean, yeah, they could have said, oh, well, was it the best time to let him go? I think they had kind of made that decision, like, let's see how this road trip goes. When they lost as embarrassingly as they did in the first game to Vegas, it was like, okay, wait a second. What are we now waiting for? Do we keep losing games? Like, do we sacrifice three more road games just to give him a chance? He's had, I think it's four seasons at the helm of Toronto and I think this is the, the thing is this he was brought in he was Mike Babcock they mean the highest paid coach in history you know he had the gold medals he had a Stanley Cup um lest we forget I do believe again that losing record in Stanley Cup finals one and two uh so you know it is what it is but there comes a point when you have to make that decision of hey you know it's not even like you guys are getting far. Like, this isn't like a Nashville team that was getting into the second round, that was getting to conference finals, that made it to a stand like a final. This is a Toronto team that was stacked and getting bounced in the first round. I mean, yes, that first time it was exciting. They made the playoffs and they lost to an overpowered Washington Capitals. Fine. I can, I can accept that. And also I can accept it because I'm a Washington Capitals fan. But... At the, at, in the grand scheme of it, two straight years losing to Boston, that, that's a little much. You know, it's becoming a little much. And oh, lest we forget, didn't they also make the playoffs 
before Mike Babcock when they had this guy, uh, James Reimer, in net? And didn't they also get to seven games? Down, I think, three to one in that series and with a late game lead in game seven. So, again, you have to put these things into perspective. It's not, it wasn't like, oh my God, this is a team ending a 29 year championship drought. Much like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, congratulations uh, to all of you on your Grey Cup victory. The parade is happening today. Um, but this is a team that had made the playoffs. They were on that break. They needed to take those next steps. I don't know how many of those next steps were taken. So nonetheless, we don't have to harp on it. Babcock's gone. Keith is in. Two straight wins. And the team just looks better. And part of that, I mean, does come from the coaching. That coaching message. Has the message run stale? Has the coach lost the dressing room? And the bit of the reputation that Babcock had and that a lot of people talk about is this, that he wasn't a player's coach, that he was a bit of an asshole, that he wasn't, that he was difficult to work with. You know, all of these things, I mean, contribute to a state where, yeah, guess what? Players give up on it. You know, it was no different than, as I said, when a few years ago, Tampa Bay made the cup final and Stamkos is sitting on the bench. You know, it, it comes down to the coaching message at a certain point because the coach's job is to go through the strategies, watch what everything's happening so you can help your players be the best they can be so that you can let them be the stars so you can give them that opportunity to shine. That's why you pay them the big money. That's why you pay the coaches what you pay them so that they can facilitate so that you're not, the players aren't sitting there strategizing. They're not like, oh man, what should we do here? No, that's the coach's job to remind them of, hey, look, this is the defensive system they're playing, whatever, right? And the message got stale. And on that, I mean, now the startling story came out about um, Babcock putting Marner in a situation which opens up a whole new can of worms. And, and for those of you that haven't heard what happened, uh, basically... Um, the big thing was there is Babcock had Mitch Marner when he was a rookie, and I believe at the time would have been the youngest player in that dressing room, compose a list in ranked order of hardest working to least hardest working, and then fucking sewered the kid and threw him under the bus to everybody, uh, to the rest of his teammates. And it's quite sad for something like that to happen. And it's awful. And I mean, I have had my share of experiences playing hockey at various levels growing up with bullshit from fucking coaches. And I knew, like, as I got older and, and, and have taken on, you know, whatever coaching responsibilities it might be in various aspects, I've always prided myself on saying I am not that fucking coach. There's a difference between being tough, but there's a difference between being tough and being a shit. And, uh, quite frankly, I think there's, I mean, I've been through it and I remember how it made me feel. I remember how awful and, you know, the hard nights and yeah, I can admit it now. Yeah. The nights you go home and cry because your coach makes you feel like fucking shit. And I fucking hated it. I remember at tryouts, some of the awful things that were said and sometimes not even things that coaches said to me, but to other players, my teammates, my friends. It was awful. And, uh, you know, so to be put in that situation at the NHL fucking level, to me, is bullshit. Uh, and I can't ex stress that enough, that there's no fucking place for that kind of shit. 
And um, I do think it, it was it, it was an awful, disgusting, nasty fucking move um, by Ma Mike Babcock to do to Mitch Marner. And the problem is that, and this is the thing too, is as as they were saying on Overdrive yesterday, uh, for those of you that don't watch on TSN, uh, Brian Hayes, uh, Jeff O'Neill, and um, Jamie McLennan, uh, the O-Dog and Noodles, Hayes, Noodles, and the O-Dog. Uh, it's a great show. I love it. Uh, it's a great way to finish off my afternoons. Um, but nonetheless, as they were saying, like, this is Mike Babcock's thing. Like, yeah, there's been a, there's reputational coaches that are just fucking tough. And they make it clear, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your coach. And players will say, yeah, you know what? He was this, he was that. But they don't hate him or them. They look back on the coach and they're like, yeah, they were doing their job, whatever it might have been. But at the end of the day, I don't have an issue with them as a person. And O'Neill said, like, I was texting a former coach of mine and saying, like, hey, you were a hard ass. But thanks for not being, like, whatever about it. And I forget the term he used. And McLennan gave an example. I mean, Daryl uh, Sutter, right? He had a reputation in the NHL for being a tough fucking coach. Two fucking Stanley Cups, though. If I'm not mistaken, he was also there when the Flames had made their cup run uh, against Tampa Bay. I mean, this is, again, a coach with a successful pedigree. And yeah, was he? did he have a reputation for being tough? Absolutely. But at the same time, didn't have a reputation necessarily for sewering his fucking players. And there's some infamous stories where players had that, where they would say, you know what? I can't be scared. They'd go into his office and be like, hey, you know what, coach? Whatever. I think if we're going to have success, I need to be playing this. This is what we need to do. And he was always, and you know, and the reputation was that he was open to the discussion, whatever it might be. You have a situation here that was essentially a form of fucking bullying. I'm the coach. I'm big dog. I'm the I want to be in the power position here and I'm going to establish power. I mean, there's a whole other episode I could do on power and how power works. That was one of the things um, I studied, um, you know, at, at a very high level um, academically uh, is the idea of power, the different forms of power, um, establishing power. And for those of you that don't know, um, just to quickly kind of do it, there's a lot of things in our life, in our day-to-day -day life um, that we find terms that are interchangeable. Um, and, and the big ones that get me a lot are fair and equal. Those two terms are not interchangeable. Um, you can be equal and be fair. You can be fair and be equal, but the two don't have to mean each other. You can be equal without being fair, and you can be fair without being equal. And more often than not, fair does not mean equal, and equal does not mean fair. So that's the first one I want to correct. The second one is job and position. When you work, you have a position at an organization to do a job. A job is the tasks you do and are paid for. The position is what you hold. The two terms are not interchangeable. The next one is power and influence, which aren't necessarily interchangeable, but I want to explain the relationship between the two terms. Power is the ability to influence others. In its simplest form, that is the simplest definition. Power is the ability to influence others. There's different kinds of power and how you have it. You can have expert power, referent power, implied power, positional power, a lot of things. 
You can also, but power is the ability to influence people. Influence is the ability to change the behaviors, um, attitudes of others. That's the difference. Power is actually something that is given to you. As the expression goes, with great power comes great responsibility. Those that you are trying to influence or can influence or are influenced have given you the power to do so. You don't come in and be like, I am all powerful. You have been given that. Now, whether you show that ability to have power by being, you know, a leader, being super intelligent, being well qualified, whatever it might be, that's what you've brought to the table. But they've chosen to still give you that power over them. That ability to influence, that ability to lead. Babcock has come in here and has tried to establish power over a young player in that situation. It was awful. It was disgusting. And uh, it's a horrible thing. And I mean, maybe he doesn't see it that way. And it's not my job to tell him how to see things. It's just my opinion on the fact. And I, and I just, having seen it firsthand with players, having se been through it in the minor league levels, it's just something that to me... I didn't think there was a place for it in the edge. I long feared it didn't end. And you hear stories of things of awful bullying type situations and hazing in private schools that get brushed under the rug. I remember having a conversation with someone and they had gone to private school. They were they they were older. They're middle they they are middle-aged and they'd gone to private school and there was an article about a private school and things that were happening and how he truly felt that the problem lied uh, with the students that, that were ratting out, that were complaining, that weren't taking this form of abuse. That this abuse happens and it's part of the culture of the school. And I thought, what the fuck did you just say? Where on earth do you get off? Saying that bullying and hazing and this kind of abuse, the student-on-student student abuse is okay? That the victims are the fucking problem? I couldn't believe this. This was also a person who had said it was okay for a tougher NHL, a supposed goon, to go and attack another hockey player in a very famous incident with Todd Bertuzzi and... Um, Oh, I forget the player now for the Colorado Avalanche. Basically, the guy, there was a hit involved with this Colorado player, Steve Moore, I believe it was. Where Moore had hit Nasland, it was an awkward hit, um, and Nasland ended up getting hurt on the play. There was really no reason to think there was any malicious intent, whatever it might have been. Nonetheless, after it was all said and done, and this was still in an era where goons kind of and enforcers kind of existed on teams. Teams had to have an enforcer. And this was pre-salary cap era, I believe, or maybe the start of the salary cap era. Uh, nonetheless, uh, it was a weird... And uh, Todd Bertuzzi took it upon himself to inflict a little justice. So rather than fighting one of the enforcers on the Colorado Avalanche... Um, who I believe at the time would have been Scott Parker, who was one of the toughest sons of, um, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, just one of the toughest fuckers in the NHL. And he, um, rather than fight Parker, 
He decides to go after more, attacking him from behind in the process, permanently injuring the guy. And I think it was like, had a partial break in the guy's neck. And then he said, this person that I had this conversation with had the audacity to say that Moore was responsible by being, and, I, and he used the derogatory terms for someone who was afraid and said, oh, he was afraid to fight Bertuzzi and this is what he gets. I'm sorry, what? That is the most cowardice thing to possibly say about that situation. He deserved, because of a hit that happened, that there was no malicious intent, that it was an awkward, awful, unfortunate incident, where Naslin still went on to play and have a great career, you're going to go ahead and say that he deserved to be attacked from behind on the ice, have his neck broken, and be punched at and pulverized? No, 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 no. Bullying and hazing is not okay. Ever. Period. It is shit and it has no place. And especially at the professional NHL level. That is just uncool, unacceptable, and fucking disgusting. Whether it's player on player, whether it's coach on player, whether it's opponent on opponent. I know I played sports and yeah, you get intense. And yeah, there was a number of times, and even as a goalie, there were times when I wasn't even scheduled to play and a game got out of hand and the coach would be like, all right, Sonny, you're going in. And I'd be like, what? There's, you know, eight minutes left in the third period. We're up by four. Why are we pulling? And then he'd be like, I imagine there's a fight that's going to happen. And in all honesty, I think you're better off handling yourself than all right, fine, I'll fucking go in, whatever. Maybe, you know, in hindsight, now I look at how small I was, maybe it was kind of the coach's way of being like, hey, let's throw Sonny to the, well, maybe it was a form of bullying back then. And I think of one particular incident where I did not get along with my coach. That coach was a fucking asshole. And, uh, and I've got nothing nice to say about that coach or to that coach. Uh, and I could go on and on about just how awful and dreadful a fucking human being that coach was. Um, but nonetheless... Uh, he, uh, it, it, it was, it was a situation where, yeah, I got, I went in, I was prepared to throw down. Fuck. Yeah, I was at the end of the day. It was nothing personal with the other goalie or any other player. It's part of the game. You let it go, but I wasn't going out there and jumping players from behind, you know? And anyway, enough of that, this whole Mitch Marner thing, it was awful. It was disgusting. And yeah, it does tarnish. The legacy of a Mike Babcock. Yeah, it does look fucking bad. It is horrible. Here you are. And then and, and then they, as they were pointing, as, and I forget where it was pointed out, this was a guy that when he came into Toronto said, I want to create a safe environment for the players. What? What? How the fuck do you say you want to create a safe environment for the players when that's the kind of bullshit you're fucking doing? It's just, it's, it's shit, it's fucking crap, and I hate it. Uh, nonetheless, uh, it, the, the Mike Babcock era is over in Toronto, and yeah, I think it does influence teams moving forward. The bigger issue here, though, is, or a subsequent issue now, is now these accusations that are being levied against uh, Calgary Flames head coach Bill Peters. 
So a series of tweets came out uh, from former player uh, Akeem Alayu, uh, who was a player, I guess, under Bill Peters. I'm not sure where, where basically Peters kind of bullied him, used a lot of racial, uh, used racial slurs against him, and basically sabotaged the kid's career. And um, so here we go. Ah, here we go. So it was... Um, Alayu was um, being coached by Peters uh, when they uh, when uh, Peters was the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks HL affiliate, the Rockford Ice Dogs or Ice Hawks rather. Hogs, 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 hogs. Um, there was some bullying that happened there, unfortunately. Uh, when, yeah, so here's the series of tweets that came out from Alayu yesterday. Not very surprising the things we're hearing about Babcock. Apple doesn't fall from the tree. Same sort of deal with his protege in YYC. Dropped the N-bomb several times towards me in the dressing room in my rookie year because he didn't like my choice of music. First one to admit I rebelled against him. Wouldn't you? Instead of remedying the situation, he wrote a letter to John McDonough and Stan Bowman to have me sent down to the ECHL. 20-year-old on pace for 20 goals in his first pro year with zero PP slash PK time was off to a great start in his pro career. Those are some very heavy, heavy, heavy allegations. Um, Bradtree Living, the G current GM, um, uh, addressed the media about it. It appears there's going to be an investigation. I see here a tweet from Darren Drager. Uh, NHL head office has been in contact with the Calgary Flames over allegations directed at head coach Bill Peters. Further discussions expected today. Um, this is um, is a big issue. So this is a tweet um, sent out by NHL Public Relations, and I guess this is the NHL's thought on it. Um, the behavior that has been alleged is repugnant and unacceptable. We will have no further comment until we have had an opportunity to look into the matter more thoroughly. Like, this is a matter that, like, stay tuned, people. All of you sports fans out there, stay tuned to whichever your sports outlet is. Because they're, like, this is getting resolved this week. Like, by tomorrow night, we know how, how this, I would predict, we know how this remedies like we know how this situation ends for the player for the people involved and since we don't know you know we have to you know let due process play out here it does not look good for bill bill peters firstly um but again let due process play out i don't want to throw any stones but this is a very serious and and the nhl's right this is uh, repugnant and un. What is being said to have transpired is exactly that: repugnant and unfucking acceptable. Period. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. This is unacceptable. If this transpired, the crazier thing that happens from this now is: is this the start of the opening of the floodgates? Are players now going to realize, and maybe this happens across other sports now, I don't know. But are players now realizing, like, wait a second. That was fucking abuse. And it's no different than you hear these players come out about how they had, you know, a coach in minor leagues that was abusive. I'm sure if I were to ask people that I played hockey with or that played hockey, played any other sport, I'm sure if I asked, if I got 100 people I grew up with that played sports at a competitive level and said, did you have an experience with a coach that they were just a fucking asshole 
that they were just unnecessarily mean. And if you look back, and we can look back at it now as educated, grown-up adults, was there bullying that transpired? And I'm sure the vast majority of them would say yes. It's very sad that people in a position of power like this felt it was their right to treat another fucking human being like this. It's disgusting. And as I said, we're going to wait and see how this Bill Peters things um, plays out. But don't be surprised over the next little while that this becomes a thing now. And more and more of this starts coming out. Because there's a way <coughs> to be the coach. Establish respect to your players, to your athletes, to your whatever you want to call them. And not be awful like this. Not be repugnant. But anyway, I go on. Let's try to talk about some happier things. Let's look at some of the league leaders now in points. I, I'm getting fired up talking about this. I think we can all tell that. But nonetheless, let's get into it here. So we're essentially a quarter of the way through the season now. About 20, some teams, I think it's as low as 21 games to 25 games for the, Le um, for the Leafs. But quarter of the way through the season here. <clears throat> let's take a look at some of the leaders. So David Pasternak is off to a fucking start in Boston, uh, leading the league with 20 goals. Uh, right on his heels, though, Connor McDavid with 18. Uh, and, and we have a convergence there at 16. I think even Alex Ovechkin's up there. Uh, Goaltending, again, we have a, what appears to be a five-way tie here with 11 wins. Uh, and, and, I mean, in a situation here with Freddie Anderson, um, much like Marc-Andre Fleury, um, but, I mean, in all honesty, I think the Golden Knights have a better backup situation than uh, Toronto does uh, where we have a situation here where Freddie where the Leafs need Freddie Anderson so the Leaf wins come from Freddie Anderson they're not getting those secondary wins which are incredibly important so that's something to keep in mind a guy like Braden Holpe whilst he will have 11 wins and he might very well go on to be the league leader in wins Washington can also get um wins from their backup goalie Samsonov and I'm drawing a blank on his first name but Samsonov is a great backup they're going to get wins there Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg I mean the guy's a workhorse uh just the definition of stability right now um but it's not like they have a slouch in Laurent Brassois as their backup also they do have some great goalies they have that Mikhail Burdine uh, in the system so look for that as well uh in assist Leon Dreisaitl is the league leader followed by McDavid of course um, but in points, uh, Dreisaitl has a one-point lead over McDavid, where both of these guys are, like, projected right now to reach over 150 points. Like, how crazy is that, that we're gonna, that we could potentially see two players get, from the same team, get over 150 points this year? Uh, Robin Leonard seems to find himself, uh, save percentage leader in Chicago. Uh, shutouts, I, uh, a few goalies here with two. Um, but yeah. Uh, Brendan Lemieux, that's another great story. The Jets fucked, I think they fucked up letting him go. I think that was a guy who they could have easily kept, should have kept. Um, and that's one of those moves that you look back on, you're like, yeah, we fucking lost that one. Uh, I did agree with what they had to give up to get, um, Paul Stasny. 
Uh, what the fact that we let Stasny go that offseason, that was a bit of a disaster. But nonetheless, I agreed with the bringing in of Stasny. Letting go of Lemieux and a first-round pick for Kevin Hayes, and no offense to Kevin Hayes, like that was a problem. That was a mistake. We could have kept Brendan Lemieux, and I don't think letting go of Lemieux and a first-round pick was the value of, of bringing in a Kevin Hayes. But nonetheless, um, I mean... It was a weird situation there in the central and for a lot of teams in terms of retooling for that playoff run. But looking over, we're having some interesting storylines. Uh, Darcy Kemper has been a great story in that Phoenix net. Um, you look at the Islanders right in there in the Metro uh, in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, that's pretty crazy in itself too. I mean, who uh, or, or rather, what's his name? Uh, Barry Trotz is proving his value, too. And, I mean, Washington would love to have had Trotz back, but, I mean, that was a weird circumstance in itself that he left. Um, and for those of you that don't know, there's some contract issues and pay issues. But nonetheless, uh, without Trotz there, it is what it is. Washington's still uh, all systems go. Still probably my pick to win the Stanley Cup, actually, is the Washington Capitals. Quarter of the way through the season, Everything seems to be going well for Washington. I project that they and predict that they will win the cup. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I'm sorry for the gloomy episode, but I think it's something that needed to be discussed. It was a subject matter that, uh, unfortunately, whilst it might be difficult, needed to be addressed. And uh, so I, I am, again... That's why it is. We tell it like it is here on the Seems Legit Podcast. But anyway, I thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Have a great, wonderful day, uh, wonderful rest of your day. Uh, if you are in Winnipeg here, um, please enjoy. Be safe. Uh, enjoy the parade today for the Bombers. Uh, hell of achievement. Congratulations to them again on winning the Grey Cup this year. Uh, really a remarkable run. Anyway, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Sunny D. Thank you so much. Take care and bye-bye for now.